Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. We'll get you ready for the top high school football games in Lee and Collier counties each week with our analysis and predictions. Here are your hosts, the News Press's Adam Regan and the Naples Daily News' Adam Fisher. Hello, everyone. Welcome back into the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I am Adam Fisher of the Naples Daily News, sitting across the table from Adam Regan of the Fort Myers News Press with our guest producer, Amanda Inscore, sitting with us. Mr. Regan, how was your Labor Day? It was all right. I was, you know, it's just all right. Did you have a hurricane party? No hurricane party, no nothing. Just ready to get back to work because that's really all we do here that is and speaking of hurricanes this uh you know this week may be in flux throughout florida you know i have shades of uh irma going through our head and in 2017 when the hurricane hit on the gulf coast and we had a lot of postponements and cancellations i think the east coast is bracing for that right now so we uh, hope everything works out for them and everyone stays safe um, and they get to play some football although that of course is not the most important thing but we are here to talk football Let's look at week two that went by this past week. Some surprise undefeated teams uh, that kind of took us off guard that are 2-0 and now. I know in Collier County we've got Laley and First Baptist, two teams we didn't think were going to be um, that good that early. And, of course, Naples, we expected them. In Lee County, who is 2-0 and and who has surprised you? So we've got five 2-0 and teams in Lee County. You've got Oasis, Bishop Vero, North Fort Myers, South Fort Myers, Nata Baker. I would say everybody expected North Fort Myers to be right. 2 and 0. I think everybody expected Bishop Vero to be 2 and 0 too. They're deep. I don't know about expected. They started the season at Baron Collier, who we expect to be pretty good again. I mean, that's and especially after losing some talent. I mean, I'm not going to say they're surprised cuz we expected Vero to be good, but I didn't think they were going to win at Baron Collier. But of course, we'll, we'll talk about my record in picking at, at the end of this podcast. It's not very good this season. I think anybody who was up on Bishop Vero knew that their defense was pretty ferocious and everybody was going to give them a really good shot to beat Baron Collier. We didn't, but I think most people thought that Bishop Rowe could beat Baron Collier and could go 2-0. But the surprise teams in Lee County, I would say, South Fort Myers with a new coach, Willis May, this year. They played very good defense. And then last week against Cape Coral, they kind of started scoring. They went nuts. Yeah, and a guy to watch on that team, Quincy Milholm, uh, had a 102-yard interception return, had another touchdown. Yeah, he's been big for them. And then I don't think anybody expected Ida Baker to be 2-0. Nope. They've got a new coach, too, Chuck Fawcett over there, uh, coming over from Texas. you got Eric Swanson, the quarterback, who I think is very underrated. And they're putting up some points, and – they're really looking to change the culture over there. Uh, it's been a, a long road for Ida Baker since Brian Kahn left a couple years ago. Who knows? Maybe this is their year. And, and that- I'm sorry to interrupt, but if I'm correct, South and Baker now have more wins than they did all of last season. Is that right? Didn't they both go 1-9 and nine last year? It's true. And Laley has as many wins. They're 2-0 and oh after going 2-8 and eight last year and the year before. Yeah, surprising and, and kind of fun to watch. Yeah, and then plus we have Oasis who – Started real hot last season, and then the wheels kind of came off, and they didn't make the playoffs. Well, they got over a pretty big hurdle last week when they beat St. John Newman. I know that's St. John Newman without Jensen Jones, but still, that's a pretty big win to go down to Naples and beat St. John Newman for Oasis, who 
really boat raced them last year. Yeah, yeah, and, and Oasis looked good. They didn't give up a single point on defense. Um, Newman's only points were defensively. I want to talk to you about some other marquee teams here in our counties that kind of struggled in week two. Fort Myers goes up to Charlotte and never really got going. They lost 42-14. to 14. Naples High School, as I mentioned, is 2-0, and but they got out to a big start against Miami Edison and then didn't do anything after that and won 17-12. to um, What's your take on Fort Myers and what happened to them up at uh, Charlotte? Well, I covered Fort Myers in their week one game against Sebring where they had to kind of come back and win that. And it's, it's really all about the offensive line with Fort Myers and how they're gelling together. They lost, I believe, four starters from last year's team, including a pretty good player in Noah French. He was a second-team all-area player, and uh, he kind of was the leader along with Marcus Finger, who's now at Maryland. So I think you need to give that those guys time to gel together. And when you're going up to Charlotte and playing, right. I mean, that's you've got to be ready. It's tough to play at the Aquarium, let me tell you. The Aquarium is a tough spot to, to play. Yeah, you keep saying that. It's happening. <laughs> but, but, yeah, and they, they're, all, they're still also without Yusias Young, their, their star running back. It's kind of a FHSA waiver issue for him that they're waiting on for him to get back on the field. So, really, it was just the perfect storm for Charlotte to really just – dominate Fort Myers and I don't think that their heads were in it it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back this week against Cypress Lake and I will say uh, Naples I covered that game they went up 17 nothing early and that was it for them that was in the first 11 minutes they were up 17 to nothing the offense really struggled and coach Bill Kramer even admitted it he said after the game he's pretty positive they did not improve on offense which is their goal to improve from week to week Um, they're still young I think they had that big week one win. They went all the way up to uh, Sarasota Riverview. They won 29-28, to 28, and so we're like, wow, Naples is going to be a lot better than we expected. Now, we knew they had some young pieces coming in, and so I think they're kind of struggling to catch up. Miami Edison was not a very big team, but they were very fast on defense, and normally Naples can get past you with that misdirection, the option, but uh, these guys, the defenders for Miami Edison – had uh, struggles, or they would catch up to them. So the running backs had struggles for Naples. They had one big play and then a one-yard touchdown drive, and that was pretty much it for Naples. They got another Miami team coming in, which we'll talk about later in Monsignor Pace. Um, so it should be another tough one again. I do want you to address Luther Campbell's comments after the oh, game. Man. I mean, that was pretty entertaining to read. Uh, you, you accused Naples of cheating. I want to know. They cheat, they cheat, they cheat. That's the exact how did they, how did they? How did Naples cheat? Let's hear this. I, I mean, don't listen, understand. We, we get this a lot. Um, I and I think there is some truth that Naples gets favorable calls at home. I think any home team does, especially against a team that the the uh, refs don't know. But um, so Luther Campbell from Two Live Crew, Uncle Luke uh, is the head coach at Miami Edison, and we wanted to do kind of a story on him coaching. And he does a lot of things for these kids. He brought them over here to stay at a hotel beforehand. He, he hooked them up with a deal with Adidas. So uh, Luther Campbell does a lot of things. But after the game, he was not very happy. It was kind of a chippy game. Um, and then I walk up and say, Coach, can I talk to you? He says, all I'm going to say is this. And they went on a two-minute rant about how the officials would be ashamed, how no team from Miami-Dade wants to come over and play at Naples because the officials cheat for them. Bill Kramer should be ashamed. So it was quite enlightening, quite, uh, quite the interview. Yeah, definitely. I still want to know what his reasoning was for. I mean, it was the and they did get a lot more penalty calls than Naples did. A lot more penalty yardage. Um, He was upset about some specific calls, which, you know, we can't address. We don't have replays. I don't know if a helmet to helmet was really a helmet to helmet or not. But I think it was kind of a sloppy game all around. He was just airing some frustrations. But perhaps we will not see Miami Edison back at Naples next year. 
Well, that'll do it for our first segment. And when we come back, we're going to break down the biggest games in town for week three. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and the News Press apps onto your mobile devices. And welcome back to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Adam Regan of the News Press here, joined by Adam Fisher. Let's break down some games, man. Uh, let's start with the matchup of 2-0 and teams. Titans, a battle of undefeateds. A Collier County-Lee County matchup. Laley at Ida Baker. What do you think about Laley? I think Laley has looked very good. You know, they're not setting the world on fire on offense, but they're getting it done. Their new quarterback they installed. For, so first off, they got a new coach. J.J. Everidge comes in. Um, as we, we mentioned him in the season preview, was a head coach in Kentucky for 20 years. Comes down and lately has a, a third-year returning starter at quarterback, Jonas Dudon. And uh, Everett says, you know, he, he's too athletic to have there just in the pocket. We want him running back. We want him receiver. Puts Stanley Hippolyte at quarterback, who hasn't played quarterback, at least not varsity. Hippolyte has five touchdown passes through the first two weeks. And I think at least two of them are to Jonas Dudon, who moved out there to receiver. That's all of Laley's offensive touchdowns Stanley Hippolyte has accounted for. So that's working out very well for them. And defensively, you know, they held uh, Golf Ghost to 11 points. They only scored their first touchdown in the fourth quarter. Now, of course, Golf Ghost is playing behind a freshman quarterback, so they're struggling a bit. Um, but that didn't bother them in week one when Golf Ghost scored 27 points. Laley holds them to 11. When they won in week one, they held Island Coast, who's looking better. They held them uh, under, what was it, 10 points, something like that. So, Lately, um, very impressive so far. But concerning, though, was the loss of Sergio Morency to an ankle injury during that game. I think that he's a D1 type player, yeah, right? He's got uh, you know some smaller FBS, like a FAU type uh, type situation uh, offers. So. I, I think he's got a Kentucky offer. No, oh, does he? oh, that's I'm, right, he just got I'm one. I'm pretty I think sure it was just he does, week, but yeah. he left the game with an ankle injury, and his status is kind of up in the air right. this week. That, that'll be something to watch, and then. Moving on to Ida Baker, they get a 28-7 win over Bonita Springs last week. Uh, again, Bonita Springs' first-year program. But Ida Baker, the week before that, they knocked off Mariner. I, I mean, they held them off. And I already mentioned Eric Swanson is a pretty good player. But defensively, Ida Baker's been getting the job done. You had Case Garcia had two interceptions against Bonita Springs. And uh, one of them kind of put them in the driver's seat for a touchdown to put that game away. Everybody was sleeping on Ida Baker in yeah. the Cape. I, I think if you asked anybody who they thought the best team in the Cape was, you know, Ida Baker might have been third, third or fourth yeah. pick. Or, you know, you never know. I mean, I think it's actually kind of disappointing that Ida Baker doesn't play Oasis this year, considering those schools' proximity to each right. other and a little bit of a rivalry action there. And both of them are two and zero. So, I would suggest that uh, Ida Baker get Oasis on the schedule. Well, and one of these teams is going to be 3-0 and at the end of this week, and that, that three weeks ago would have been crazy to talk about. Well, we're going to move on. Next game, Charlotte at Riverdale. And let's talk a little bit about Riverdale. Last week, they, they've played a gauntlet to start the season. Right. Uh, they beat Dunbar 14-2 to in week one, and then they played against North Fort Myers and lost 9-6. to And what made that an interesting game was uh, Adarian Robinson there, all everything linebacker, running back, probably one of the best players in Lee County, was nowhere to be found in uniform. I asked James Delgado after the game, you know, what's the update? And he 
didn't tell me anything. He was he even on the sideline, or he was not even on the sidelines. Oh, well, that's, ever, ever, that's normally a, uh, a not an injury type situation, right? That's usually yeah. a disciplinarian. Well, James Delgado would not couldn't tell me anything off the record or on the record. So it'll be interesting to see if he's in uniform for this big game against Charlotte and with Riverdale. They played very good defense against North Fort Myers. North Fort Myers is a team that can really put it on you if you're not strong defensively. And Riverdale had a chance to win this ball game. Uh, they got the ball down to the North Fort Myers nine yard line with probably a minute and a half left, and uh, they had a fumble there. And it's funny, uh, the the guy who'd have been taking the snap would have probably either been Raekwon Clark or a Darian Robinson. What Raekwon Clark went down with a serious injury. Everybody thought it was a neck injury, Ooh. right? And he was motionless on the field. The ambulance took him off probably a couple minutes before that last drive. Fortunately. Everything is okay. Uh, he's ready to go. I mean, he needs to be cleared by a pediatrician, but uh, I think everybody was really worried there. So he could have taken that snap, or Darian Robinson could have taken that snap that got fumbled, and m- none of them were on the field, and that kind of cost them in the end. And then you had Charlotte, who just dominated Fort Myers last week. Charlotte's going to be really good again. It's going to be a really good test for well, Riverdale to see where they're at. And then Riverdale, did, defensively, they've given up, what, 11 points this season? Only one touchdown, only nine points in North Fort Myers. However, Charlotte, we just saw them hang 44 or 42 on Fort Myers. I mean, do you think uh, Riverdale's defense can stand up to Charlotte, who, I mean, are they better than North Fort Myers, who they just played? I don't know. Well, it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be on Riverdale's offense to move the chains and keep that defense off the field and keep them fresh. And that's really what that single-wing offense is designed to do, move the chains. But last week against North Fort Myers, you saw penalties all over the field. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, motion, false starts. And, like, those are penalties that last year's undefeated regular season Riverdale team did not make. And they made a ton of mistakes. They shot themselves in the foot repeatedly. I mean, if they play a clean game, they probably beat North Fort Myers last and week. And they're pretty young. Maybe not young, but they've got a lot of returning or new starters, right, Riverdale? Indeed they do. Those are things you got to clean up as, as you get older, you mature a little bit. Um, let's go down to Collier County where we have one uh, Collier County in, intra-Collier County matchup. Immokalee at Gulf Coast. Two teams struggling a bit right now. Gulf Coast got the big win in week one, and then last week did not look great in a 20-11 loss at Laley. Immokalee, once again, man, they're, they're struggling, but they played two very good teams to start the year in Clearwater – International Academy, whatever it is, up in Clearwater, and then Tampa Jesuit, the team that's knocked them out of the playoffs the past three years. Um, they've lost, oh, I added it up, something like 110 to 12 the first two weeks. Immokalee has adjusting, still trying to find a quarterback. So this game could either be really high scoring or really low scoring. It's really interesting to me with Roddell and Anthony, as mo- with as much as he goes on Twitter blasting those private schools, you know, those super teams that can yeah. recruit and stuff like that. They sure as heck play a lot of those type of teams. <laughs> you got Tampa Jesuit, Clearwater International, from what I hear, is kind of like a poor man's IMG. Right. And Tampa Jesuit, they know really well because they've faced them in the playoffs the last couple of years. It's just kind of interesting to me. I mean, well, I think scheduling is a struggle for teams that are traditionally good. 
look at Naples and then Immokalee. A lot of teams that don't have to play them, they're outside of their district, don't want to play them. And so you're playing – like, why you don't usually don't want to play a team that's in your region that you could face in the playoffs, like a Tampa Jesuit, but you're kind of forced to. Gulf Coast, they are still with their freshman quarterback, Connor Barrett. No update as of yet as we tape this podcast. But, you know, it's still kind of up in the air. If starter Justin Matia is coming back, Coach Tom Scalise told me last week we're just kind of waiting for an update. Immokalee, again, with their third quarterback of the season, if you count R.J. Rosales, who transferred in the preseason, um, they moved on. So the offenses could struggle a bit in this one. I don't know. You got any other thoughts on this one? Yeah, I I mean, I think Connor Barrett's kind of going through those growing pains as a freshman. He's tossed a couple interceptions, probably a couple costly interceptions. See if he can bounce back against a a Immokalee team that is obviously traditionally very good, but this year is still trying to deal with and, and I will say, RJ Rosales. Well, I, I mentioned this in our um, our prep zone power poll we do every week at NaplesDailyNews.com slash prep zone. Immokalee started 0-5 last year, ended up winning their final five games and winning a playoff game. So it's not over for the Indians fans. And then another interesting one involving Bishop Vero and a Collier County Public School, Palmetto Ridge at Bishop Vero. Bishop Vero in week one played at Baron Collier, which I talked about I thought was very cool, you know, going down and playing the, the big public school. And they won fairly easily. Now they're playing a Palmetto Ridge team that itself is struggling to find a quarterback after uh, their starter went down in the preseason, Evan Rodriguez. Again, no update on him. Don't know if he's playing in week three, but they've turned to a freshman quarterback in Josue, Hosiah, Booker. I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Palmetto Ridge has not scored a touchdown this season. They only have three points in their first two games. So I think Bishop Rowe might get its second win over a, a Collier County Public School. And they might, they might get their second shutout of the season. They've only given up seven points this year. They shut out Lakeland Christian 38 nothing, and then they only gave up seven points to Baron Collier, which is crazy to me. I mean, that kind of speaks to how good that defense is. And the Bishop Rowe people, they've been after me for a couple weeks okay. now. We've been predicting them to give up, you know, 17 points here and there. And they said, you know, they, put, they use that as bulletin board material. I think any team, if you say – They'll sign for yeah. We'll give up seventeen points because yeah. you know, they're especially when you got a good offense. Like yeah, we had Bishop them. We had them beating Lakeland Christian. I think it was thirty-four to seventeen or something like that. But that apparently the standard is pretty much higher at Bishop Rowe, and it showed last week. And then you've got Malik Curtis, who I think we've talked about on every single week yeah. of this podcast. The kid is just dynamite coming over from South Fort Myers, and he really gave them control of this game and. They've just got a, a offense that's really cooking with gas. You got Taquan Chapman and the quarterback Jacob Azizi and their goal line quarterback Nick Perez. Yeah, I'm laughing because you said cooking with gas. It reminds me of something like my mom or or possibly my grandmother would say, but uh, that's fine. That'll do it for our uh, breakdown segment. No coaches interview this week because of Labor Day. And, of course, Hurricane Dorian kind of threw all of our schedules off a little bit this week. But when we come back, we will do our picks as we do every week. So we'll see you then. For the most in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Follow us on Instagram at NewsPressSports and NDN Prep Zone. On Twitter, NPHS Sports and NDN underscore Prep Zone or download our apps.
What's up, everyone? We are back with the final segment of our Inside Southwest Florida football podcast. We are going to make some predictions. First off, let's break down how we've done so far. Last week, I went 5-5. Five and five. Adam Regan, who went 7-3 and three to pick up yet another couple games on me for the season. Mr. Regan is 12-8, and eight, and I am 9-11. and 11. So not doing so hot to begin. Are you going to gain another more couple games on me this week, Adam? I figured I'd just set you up so I would blow the six-game lead. At That's the end right. Of the season this year. That's right. He's gonna I think there's cocky. pressure on you if you're if you're leading. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And to be honest, like we try to make some different picks here and there. You know what I mean? To make it a little more entertaining. Like I think we'd probably pick mostly the same if we wanted to. But to spice it up for the audience, we try to vary our picks so it's more fun for you guys because we love you so much. Let's start off with the Golden Gate at Bonita Springs. Uh, Bonita Springs twice we thought was going to get its first varsity win, but they lost at home last week to a surprise Ida Baker team. Now they've got a Golden Gate team coming in who won last week their first victory. How do you see this one going? I got Golden Gate in this one. I think they looked pretty impressive against Estero, and I think Bonita is maybe a rung below Estero. Yeah, and Estero's a team that can throw the ball around. Of course, we know Bonita likes to run that spread with uh, Coach Dombrowski, so I agree. I will take the Titans on the road a game we spoke about earlier we've got a mockley at golf coast uh you know i think i'm going to take golf coast at home they looked good at home last time they were there a mockley still trying to find itself on offense i'm going to take the sharks and i'm going to take a mockley all right next game battle of the undefeateds lately at ida baker fisher thoughts well i told you everything i know about lately and i don't know a ton about baker so just be out of sheer Collier County bias, I'm going to take Laley. I'm going to go with Laley as well. I look back to two weeks ago when they played Island Coast and they forced five turnovers. I think that this defense is very opportunistic, and I think Ida Baker, they could be prone to make a couple of mistakes, so I agree with you. Let's go back to Collier County where we have another Dade County team coming in. Miami, Monsignor Pace at Naples. This used to be a big rivalry 10 years ago. Uh, they played in the regular season, played in the postseason a couple times. I have not had a chance because of the holiday to look up anything about Monsignor Pace, but you don't pick against Bill Kramer at home. I'll take Naples because they got the refs on their side, according to Uncle Luke. So Uncle Luke told me that uh, Naples is going to win. He also said that no Miami team, Miami Dade team wants to play at Naples, but for some reason, every single year, Miami Dade teams come to Miami Naples. Miami Dade want that, that check that they're not getting over <laughs> in Miami Dade. They're getting paid to come over and play. That being said, I'm going to go with Naples. All right, here's another Collier-Lee matchup. Palmetto Ridge at Bishop Vero. Man, dude, Vero's rolling. Palmetto Ridge is struggling. I think it's an easy one for the Vikings. I think they get another shutout. Another here. shutout, all right. I, I see the Palmetto Ridge. They've got some the Camonte Grimes of the world that could break one, but this defense, they're just relentless. Give me Bishop Vero. All right, head up to Lee County. Fort Myers at Cypress Lake. Cypress Lake, a team we didn't mention earlier, they, they put up 45 in week two. Fort Myers getting hungry. They want to come back after getting thumped at the Aquarium in Charlotte. What do you think, Regan? I think that Cypress Lake has only won four games in this series since, whatever, 1967. It's a foregone conclusion. Green wave roll. Agreed. Island Coast at Cape Coral. We got two Cape teams getting at each other i want to know what you want to pick first because i'm just going to pick the opposite because i think it's going to be a good game i think it's going to be a good game too i think cape coral showed some signs of life even though they got thumped by south fort myers they showed 
some flashes there that sh- against a lesser opponent, I think that they could have been a little more competitive. Island Coast uh, celebrating its first win of the season. They were actually ranked in the uh, yeah. AP Classic <laughs> poll to start the season. If you want to talk about that real quick, Fisher and I both vote in the Associated Press poll every week. And I'm guessing neither of us voted for Island Coast no, sure in either didn't. week because Island Coast got votes yeah. even after they lost to Laley. Well, the way it works is when you're voting, it's an actual like drop-down menu. You have to scroll down and select a team. It's very easy to pick the wrong team. Week one, someone accidentally clicked on Island Coast and gave them a vote in the 6A poll or 5A, whichever it is. It's a 6A poll. But then people see that the next week when they're voting. They say, oh, Island Coast was vote was ranked last week, so I'll vote for them again. So, um, even though, even, they, they, even they, though they, they turned lost. the ball over five times against yeah. Laley. But, yeah, they, they were ranked, and they received votes again. Uh, Fisher and I will probably will vote a little later today, and neither of us will vote for Island yep. Coast. But I am going to pick Island Coast to win this one. I like what they've got going with Jason Joseph, the quarterback, and Keon Anderson. I brought him up a couple of weeks ago. He's a name to watch. He was on fire last week, and I think that he shows out again. Again, I said it's going to be close, and I said I'd pick the opposite, so I will. I'll take Cape Coral. Charlotte at Riverdale. Can Riverdale's defense hold that Charlotte offense? I think no. I'm going to take Charlotte on the road. I really have to see a a disciplined game from Riverdale before I pick them to beat a team like Charlotte. As I said earlier, uh, the flags were just flying all over the place. They need to kind of get that down. And when that offense is rolling, they're rolling. But, I mean, if they're starting at first and 15, second and 12, you you cannot get behind the chains, especially against Charlotte. I'm going to go with Charlotte. North Fort Myers at Mariner. Mariner, a team that we uh, thought would be okay this year. I believe they're 0-2. Is that correct, Regan? Mariner, 0-2. All right. North Fort Myers, 2-0. Had a a rough time at Riverdale. Got the win. I think Riverdale, obviously, is better than Mariner. So, I think North Fort Myers wins. Yeah, I think North Fort Myers just has way too many weapons yep. here. Uh, a guy that I don't think really anybody expected to be starting at running back for North Fort Myers. you got Brett Reed, who was an All-State punter for Cypress Lake last year. Wow. Pretty good place kicker, and he's doing it all for North Fort Myers. When was the last time you saw a punter pin a guy inside like the three-yard line? Not too often. And in high school, school football. Yeah. yeah, well, Brett Reed did it last week against Riverdale. And that was pretty impressive. He ran in a touchdown. He had an 86-yard touchdown call back. And the reason I'm bringing up Brett Reed is because I'm promoting the story I'm doing later this yeah. week on newspress.com slash sports on Brett Reed, on, who is basically doing it every, everything for North Fort Myers. I've got the Red Knights in this one. I don't think Mariner can hang. Agreed. Here's an interesting game. Evangelical Christian at Bradenton Southeast. Now, Bradenton Southeast uh, is a larger public school, unless they've dropped down, you know, dropped a lot of enrollment recently. Um, Southeast perennial playoff team, always in regionals, semifinals, finals. Southeast is the team that uh, South Fort Myers beats to go to the uh, state semifinals back in like 2011 or something. That's how I know a little bit of their history. And ECS, of course, a 2A team who went to LaBelle and just kicked the stuff out of them. You know what, they win 54 to 14 after losing in week one to First Baptist. Uh, however, I'm going to take, and that's a long road trip going up to Southeast. Southeast playing at home, bigger public school. I'll take Bradenton Southeast. And this is a game that got added to the schedule, I believe. Two teams 
fell off ECS's schedule, SFCA dropped them mm. from the schedule, and then ECS and Marco Island Academy mutually agreed that, yeah, that maybe this wasn't game. this wasn't the year for that. <laughs> so ECS added uh, Bradenton Southeast and Hawthorne, which is a very good rural yeah. school from up north. I think that this has got to be a game that ECS will learn from, um, playing top competition like Bradenton Southeast. And Southeast history goes way back, actually. I mean, they're yeah. a team that Fort Myers back in the 80s and 90s had to get through to get to St. Thomas Aquinas. So I'm going to take Bradenton Southeast in this. But, uh, yeah, ECS looked very good against LaBelle last week. I believe R.J. Rosales, 378 yards passing, yeah. six touchdowns. Off like 23 attempts or something ridiculous like yeah, that. Yeah, they, they looked really good. But still, I'm going to go with Bradenton Southeast. Well, that's it, guys. As I said, we tried to vary the picks, but only two games we differed on this week. That's Immokalee at Gulf Coast and then Island Coast at Cape Coral. Come back next week. We'll tell you how we did. And as always, stay tuned to naplesnews.com slash prepzone and news-press.com slash sports for all our coverage throughout the week, including live scoreboard on Friday nights. And come on back. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Thursday at noon to get you ready for the coming week's games.